Hello, I'm Mark Tallman with KASB. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, as uh, everyone knows, with people going back to school, kids returning to school, the issue of safety and health of our kids has been very important. One of the big topics that has been getting attention is the issue of vaping, e-cigarettes in, in our schools and among uh, youth in Kansas. Uh, this is something the State Board of Education has been looking at. There has been a task force of state agency leaders working on this. One of those individuals is with us today. Uh, I told Jordan Roberts, I think this is the first time that someone from the Department of Health and Environment has been on a KSB program. We're yes, glad it's her. I think you're going to see, though, that uh, she brings a, a very a very student, youth-focused yes. voice and a lot of energy. So, Jordan, if you want to tell us just anything about yourself very quickly, and then you've, provide, you've, you've got a, a number of slides that we're going to yeah. share with our viewers. So yeah. I'll let you get started. Sure. Yeah. So my name's Jordan Roberts. I am the Youth Prevention Program Manager for the state of Kansas, and I also run the statewide youth-led tobacco prevention program called Resist. So we do a lot of work on youth empowerment, youth engagement, and education, uh, specifically around tobacco prevention and control. And the slides that I'm going to be presenting to you guys is um, some of the slides that I presented to the Kansas Board of Education uh, not too long ago. Okay. Well, let's bring those up. All right, so first of all, it's important to get started with what these products are, what I'm talking about when I say e-cigarettes. So in the scientific realm, they call them electronic nicotine delivery systems because there's a new product on the market every week and they all look very different, right? right. So if we're just gonna have an umbrella term, that would, be, that would be what we would call them. But I'm gonna be interchangeable. I'm gonna call them electronic cigarettes. I might call it vape um, because it's an interchangeable term. Okay. Um, and specifically, the tobacco industry started calling them e-cigarettes originally and then um, moved over to vape to try to get um, the this product away from cigarettes, Being right, to be associated with them. Um, so the first generation cigarette is the disposable e-cigarette on the right side of the screen. This one came onto the U.S. market in about 2007. Um, this one was like, you know, the lowest technology possible. You'd go buy it at your local convenience store, use it until the juice ran out or the battery ran out, and then you'd throw it away. Mm -hmm. And then we moved over to the large size uh, or the medium size tank devices, which is second generation. And so the biggest difference between the first generation and the second generation e-cigarette is the sheer size of the battery. So the battery is much longer, uh, much bigger, and a, the battery life is longer. And these, these things are rechargeable. Um, so then you don't have to dispose them. You don't right. have to buy a new one every time. And then another thing that's really interesting about them is that the juice that's used, the liquid nicotine juice, um, is refillable in these products as well. And so directly related to the size of the battery is the plume of smoke that, it can, um, that the user can exhale from using it. So you see the large size tank devices a little bit over on the left. Those guys have very, very large batteries, right? Mm -hmm. And so the larger the battery, the bigger the battery power. And so if you ever see somebody driving down the street and there's like a cloud of smoke that comes out from somebody's car, they're probably using That's one what of they've those. Got. Okay. Yeah. Good good to know. Yes. And then we move over to the third generation e-cigarette, which is this rechargeable one, um, which is the one that looks something similar like a USB flash drive. Mm -hmm. And so that one is the most popular product on the market, which is called Juul. And so we'll talk about that one a little bit more um, in detail because it is so popular among young people. Okay. 
So what's inside of this e-cigarette aerosol? That's something that we've always, the question that we need to answer. A lot of times people think that this is water vapor. And you can't blame them because a lot of the vape, the vape industry wants to promote their product. It's water vapor, it's safe. So, but what, actually, what we're actually finding inside of this aerosol, so after this liquid nicotine solution has been heated up to a high enough temperature to be vaporized, it's, an, it's categorized as an aerosol. And some of the things that we find in this aerosol is nicotine, volatile organic compounds, ultrafine particles, um, heavy metals such as nickel, tin, and lead, cancer-causing chemicals, as well as some of these flavorings are, are harmful to the body, right? So dicetyl is a, is a butter flavoring, and so it's related to a serious lung disease called popcorn lung. So, and then also um, cinnamon flavor also has another uh, chemical in it that can harm the lungs as well. So not only is there nicotine in this products, but also other harmful products as well. So whenever we're talking about young people and e-cigarettes, um, e-cigarettes definitely pose avoidable health risks, right? The bottom line is that no amount of nicotine is safe for a young person to be using. Um, the brain is, evol is evolving until the age of like 25 or 30, right? And so the younger you are, the more underdeveloped your brain is. Right. And so if you use an addictive substance at a young age, you're basically priming your brain for addiction. Okay. Um, and that's why the tobacco industry targets young people so much is because because if they can get their if they can get a young person's hands on their product, the likely the younger they are, the likelihood of them using it until they die goes up, right? Okay, sure. And so that's why they target people under the age of 18. And some of the things that we also find um, is that this the aerosol contains metals, and the, there's substantial evidence that if um, a young person uses an e-cigarette, the likelihood of them using a, a traditional tobacco product like cigarettes goes up four times more likely that if a young person uses vape, they're probably going to smoke a cigarette. So if... If some people might say, well, this is a safer alternative than cigarettes. Yes. It, it in fact, both includes things that are, that are harmful in and of itself and also is, is often not a way of avoiding an actual cigarette, but may lead to it. Is right, that the conclusion? Exactly. That is, that is our biggest concern about these products is that it's going to renormalize nicotine addiction among this generation that we've worked so hard to, to avoid, right? We've, the amount of pe young people who use traditional um, tobacco and cigarettes is like minuscule. Um, but now we're seeing that vape use is, is in increasing and that's exactly what the tobacco industry is trying to aim for. For. Okay. So here's some data about um, Kansas youth e-cigarette use. So the most updated uh, data that we have is from 2017. We should be getting 2018 data in October, so stay tuned. Um, but 34.8% of high school students have ever tried e-cigarettes, and 10.6% currently use e-cigarettes. And so whenever I present this information in front of young people, specifically like in the past year, they're like, oh no, that's, that's got to be higher. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, like majority of my friends do use this product. So we have a feeling that our 2018 data might reflect that, um, but we will we'll see here here shortly um, some more some more information some qualitative information that we got um, reported back from the wire the Kansas Youth Risk Behavior Survey was some reasons why young people use e-cigarettes and so 38.2 percent reported that they use because a friend or a family member uses and that kind of speaks to what young people really care about mm -hmm. um, they don't care like they aren't 
when you're young and when you're eight, you know, 15, death isn't close to you, right? You're kind of invincible, you're young, yeah. and, and you're ready for life. And so what really matters to them is, is their social environment. And so that's something that to really keep in mind when we're talking about prevention. Um, and then 18.6% of them reported that they used them because it's available in many different flavor, flavors, such as mint, candy, and fruit and chocolate. Is that the just it tastes good approach to uh, things, I guess? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, totally. And then the like this is a traditional tobacco tactic, right? Because if somebody's a uh, isn't a cigarette smoker and you give them a pineapple flavored cigarette, one, it's less harsh on your throat, right? It tastes a little bit better than regular cigarettes. And then if it's a pineapple flavored, it seems a little bit safer mm -hmm. too. So those are the two components of why okay. why the tobacco industry uses flavors and for young people basically. Okay. And then 12.6% um, of them reported that they, they use it because they think it's less harmful than other tobacco products, which is also a really common misconception mm -hmm. from, from the general public. So this is the most um, astounding data that we have right now. So e-cigarette use among youth in the United States increased substantially from 2017 to 2018. Um, in 2017, it was 11.7% of U.S. high school students that used e-cigarettes, and in 2018, it increased by 20, it increased to 20.8. That's a 78% increase in one year, and that is we have never seen something increase like that so so in such a short time period. And if I had to you know, say the reason for this, it would specifically be that one product, which is the Juul product. This product took over the market, the U.S. e-cigarette market, specifically with young people. And so if I had to attribute, um, if, I, if this is my, you know, my opinion, but I, I would say the Juul product really had a big influence on, on this increase. So the tobacco, like I mentioned before, the tobacco industry has literally wrote the playbook on targeting young people. And so we've had a few state, uh, national policies that have been put in place, like the Master Settlement Agreement, which that's is- That's what the MSA is. Yes, that's what the MSA, MSA stands for. And so what that is, is, is the um, federal government took the four biggest tobacco companies to court and said, and, and, and took all their internal marketing documents and said, hey, why are so many young people using your product? Well, they've been targeting them through many different ways, like Joe Camel and flavors and cartoon cartoon um, characters and things like that. So um, basically, and then the Family Prevention Smoking Act, which passed in 2009, um, restricted flavors on cigarettes, right? So basically what's happening now with this new product, the tobacco industry has found a loophole around these policies that we put in place to keep kids safe, to, to protect them from the tobacco in industry's manipulative marketing tactics. So um, I'll go to the next slide. And here's, a, here's an example of what these products can look like. So um, on, on the, just so you know, this, this is actually, this is e-juice. These, okay. these are electronic nicotine delivery system cartridges okay. that, that hold I, nicotine in them. See, and I, you know, I have absolutely no idea. So yeah, that's why this is, I exactly. mean, I guess I, I don't have any kids in this well, group right now. You know, so I, and, just nothing, I've right. heard about this, have, have 
haven't seen these at all. Yes, so. it looks exactly like candy, right. okay? So if I show this to a group of kids, they can tell me exactly which candy it is. The one on the far left is Sour Bright Gummy Worms. Mm -hmm. The one on the far right is Sour Patch Kids. And the one in the middle is Swedish Fish, mm -hmm. right? So they're not even trying, it's not even just a flavor like blueberry, right? No, it's yeah. your favorite candy that you could have this, right? And it, you can't tell that, that, that it, this is a deadly product, right? And so the issue is, is that there is a, a lethal chemical in this product and it looks, they make it look like candy. And then here's another example of how the tobacco industry targets kids. So every, pro every product that you see on, on this page right here is, is an e-cigarette. So the one on the left is the Puffet Stealth Inhaler, which is, which is an e-cigarette that's made to look like an inhaler. Um, in the middle, that's the O2 Vape Flip. So that looks like the new key fobs that you can click and it flips open and then mm -hmm. you can collapse the key. And then on the top right, um, that is a, I forgot the name of that brand, but this is a hoodie. So the hoodie string of the hoodie okay. is a vape. Right, and on the bottom right, that is the Swarin. Um, so there's nothing real like particular about that, but it's just showing you that you could put different skins on it if you'd right, like to. Right, kind of how okay. you can customize sure. um, your your cell phone, right? right. Um, so y nobody would need to purchase these products if they were over the age of 18, right? Because clearly, if you're purchasing these products, you want to be stealthy about it. You want to hide it. So the tobacco industry created these products for young people to hide from their parents and to hide from teachers and to bring in a school. There's no other reason why you would need to create an, an inhaler that looks like, I mean, an, an e-cigarette that looks like an inhaler. And then we'll, we'll move on to the Juul product, which I mentioned before is the most popular product on the market. So the, the thing about the Juul that really makes it stick out from the rest of them is its sleek um, sleek look, right? So it's, it looks like an, a USB flash drive, or sometimes mm -hmm. kids will say um, the, lead, the lead holders for a mechanical pencil, right, too, because right. it's like the same yeah. size. Yeah. Um, and so the interesting thing about a Juul is that these products will always contain nicotine. Juul Labs will never create a product that doesn't have nicotine because that's, they created it for smokers supposedly. Mm -hmm. um, but they offer uh, this product in a wide variety of flavors like Cool Mint, Creme Brulee, Fruit Medley, and then they have menthol and uh, Virginia Tobacco as well. So this product is kind of pricey. That whole, um, so like you see on the thing, there's a, the jewel itself, and then there's a charger that goes with it, and then you get four pods that goes with that. Um, and so that's about $50, but you could easily find a coupon anywhere for $20 off, right? And specifically in our local convenience stores, where a lot of children frequent. Um, so these, these products, like I said, will always contain nicotine, and they originally uh, gave it out at 5% strength, which is um, a lot, of because of, every other product on the market only has 3% strength. So they went above and beyond to provide a higher level of nicotine. The other thing that really stands out, the jewel stands out from the rest, is the, the astronomical amount of nicotine that are in this product. One little pod, one jewel pod, is equivalent to 20 cigarettes in the amount of nicotine that is in this product. Um, and we are finding that some kids are going through two pods a day. 
right? Kids, like kids under the age of 18. And that's not even fathomable with people using traditional cigarettes, right? Yeah. Because nobody has that much time to smoke two packs of cigarettes right. a day. Right. So we're seeing addiction to, to nicotine happening a lot quicker because this product is so accessible. You can use it inside because whenever the air that dissipates, the vapor aerosol that mm -hmm. dissipates from it dissipates really quickly, it doesn't smell bad, and it's really easy to hide. Mm -hmm. And we know that one in five students between the ages of 12 and 17 have seen a jewel used in their school. And so that's something that we're really, really worried about and fighting, for, fighting with right now is how much this product is normalized within uh, Kansas schools. So the, um, the FDA has taken a stance um, against Juul now, and it's pretty much evolved a, a lot, and they are definitely under the microscope right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, the tobacco industry last year asked Juul to give them all of their internal marketing documents because so many young people were using their product, right. similar to what we had to do with the tobacco industry, right? right? And so Juul, um, the FDA gave Juul 60 days to come up with a plan to keep their product out of young people's hands. But asking Juul or any tobacco industry giant to come up with a plan to keep their product out of young people's hands is like asking a fox how to guard a hen house. They aren't going to do it. They need young people to use their products. So no matter what they say, um, you can't say that this advertisement here wasn't targeted to young people, right? Like this girl is so colorful and she does not look like somebody who needs to quit smoking, right? So um, the FDA is watching Juul right now and a lot of stuff is is evolving from that, um, but we won't get in the weeds on that. Okay. But they are aware, and, and the, we, are, we are working on it. I'll skip over that one. So what can we do about this? What can we do about this, um, specifically within schools? It's number one, what we know um, about tobacco prevention in general is that policy is most effective. And so we need to make sure that our young people are not exposed to this product. Not only can they be around it, but be exposed to secondhand smoke as well. Um, so we, the best recommendation to keep this product out of Kansas schools is to pass a comprehensive tobacco-free policy, which prohibits all tobacco and tobacco-related products, which would be really important to name every product out that you could possibly could imagine. Um, specifically expanding that definition around vaping and electronic nicotine delivery systems. And then to exclude it for everyone, students, employees, and visitors. So nobody can use this product on, ever. Um, and everywhere, all buildings and grounds owned, leased, or rented by districts, uh, including vehicles. Because what we've been hearing a lot is that um, students are using these products on the buses as well. So we can be exclusive about that policy language is always good. And then all the time, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And then it's also important to provide um, information about cessation as well, because like I mentioned before, addiction is happening at a much more rapid rate than we've ever seen with young people. Mm -hmm. And so we need to think about addressing this as an addiction and not as something we can punish kids out, out of, you know, doing, right? right? So to keep that, in, keep that in mind and that, that, this, that these children are, are up against um, addiction. So another thing that you can do to promote tobacco-free schools is to empower and educate the students. Um, because students have such a pull with their peers, right? Um, they're very, the most effective way to get educational information out is peer-to-peer -peer education. So involving young people, um, updating your tobacco prevention curriculum to including vaping, because a lot of, a lot of books, textbooks, don't have vape information in there mm -hmm. yet. And then also um, holding awareness days and kind of changing that social culture 
culture around the acceptability of vaping in your school and, and getting the information out there that this isn't water vapor, this isn't safe, this is a tobacco product and the tobacco industry is behind this. Um, and then it's also important to educate staff and parents. Parents is another key um, part of this because what we know is that young people are very much misinformed about this. They know. They know about e-cigarettes and they're very much misinformed about the health effects of it. But on the other hand, adults and teachers don't know. They, they don't understand how rampant this is among uh, around uh, can in Kansas schools and around the nation and how how much they're encountering these um, vaping in, in schools every day so the issue is young people are misinformed yes many adults I'll put myself in that category are largely uninformed right exactly totally so we were able, KDHE was able to do um, some data collection for Kansas schools. So this was in 2017, and we're currently working on updating that again. Right. But what we found is that only one in three school districts in Kansas actually had a comprehensive tobacco-free policy. Um, so that, that was pretty alarming. And one of the biggest um, gaps for being a comprehensive policy was allowing smoking, so having like smoking areas, mm -hmm. and then not including vape as well. So those were the biggest, biggest gaps in those policies that schools don't have currently. Um, but we are working on that and, and we know that a few have passed in the past year due to our partnership with the Kansas Association of School Boards. So um, we, we ended up partnering with you guys on um, coming up with some more stronger language and recommendations for Kansas schools. And directly, uh, this happened in December of 2018. And then as soon as those um, recommendations came out, we know of for sure 12 Northeast Kansas schools that just updated their policy hands down um, to be to be more comprehensive so that was a huge win so we know that we're we're making some advances and we're going to continue that awesome partnership with you guys okay. so we also created a resource for Kansas schools um, so I, I was like almost overwhelmed with all of the requests from local schools about guidance and what they yes. can do and, and just like a resource hub. So what we did is we created a Vape Free Schools Toolkit, um, which was created unique to Kansas schools. Um, so we, it, we actually designed it for students, for student groups to utilize, specifically for our local resist chapters, to be yeah. able to um, look at this toolkit, take it to their school, bo school board, and, and get it approved, right? To get a, a comprehensive tobacco-free policy approved. Um, it also contains uh, a lot more of information and resources about youth cessation, adult cessation, um, communication strategies, free signage, um, as well as some educational materials that might be helpful to use as well. Oh, and here, here's just a few examples of, of what we have there. On the right, um, KDHE actually provides free signage to those who, who pass comprehensive policies. So all you have to do is go to our website, which um, you can just search KDHE Tobacco Use Prevention, and you can order um, free signs. Okay. And then we also have examples of different student posters. That's definitely something that schools have been requesting is, right. can we have some stuff to post up and, and let, let kids know that these things aren't safe? And then as well as that, the cessation information. 
And then here's the link to our toolkit. Um, it's on, it's again on the same page that you would go to look for the signage. Um, and we've actually added a lot more information on there, um, specifically targeted to, to Kansas schools. Um, so it has uh, more educational information. It actually has a webinar that I recorded that was uh, that is for school administration okay. to educate them about um, e-cigarettes and, and the, pretty much this information. Um, so anybody could utilize that if they wanted to do a staff training or something along those lines. And then here's my information, and I am more than happy to share any any uh, of our resources, of our tools, share more information about our RESIST program. Um, I welcome anybody to reach out and ask questions. Well, one thing that you didn't mention is looking at legislation. Yes. So what what is the current state of the law mm -hmm. at state, federal level? What's being considered or in terms of regulations? You know, where are we right now and what could happen over the next right. year. Right, so something that's been a really hot topic with policy um, and specifically with youth and access to tobacco products is Tobacco 21, which for those of you who don't know is increasing the legal age from 18 to 21. And to, to date, since 2015, we've had 26 Kansas um, municipalities pass Tobacco 21. Uh, specifically, Topeka actually had um, went to the Supreme Court because they had um, an injunction put in place and it ended up passing so the Supreme Court gave their blessings and, and that Kansas um, local municipalities can pass these policies locally so that's really important because the way that Kansas works specifically with like legislation and passing policies it's got to happen at the grassroots level right it has to ha has to take off there and then will the state um, decide okay well this is what the Kansas people want um, so something else that's probably going to be happening in this legislative session is um, a statewide bill for tobacco 21. And then there's also, actually, federally, at the national level, there's about five bills that include Tobacco 21 right now. Um, and I know that our partners at American Cancer Society and American Lung Association are supporting the Mitch McConnell bill, um, which they had some issues with before, but they ended up bargaining, and, and they have a really a bill which they're, they're comfortable with. So if that makes it past all the, the right places, it could go, into, go onto the president's desk um, around December. So do, do, does either current law or these proposed laws make distinctions between e-cigarettes mm. and um, what? Yes. So that is that that is a hole in, in the legislation right now, in the Kansas legislation right now. So one that I can talk about in particular is the Clean Indoor Air Act, um, which outlaws uh, tobacco use inside public places or within 10 feet of air intake areas. Um, and so vaping is not include, included in that language. So that's something that is a loophole that we that we need to, to address right now. And I don't know if you can even explain and maybe no one particularly cares, but why is it what remind us going back? Well, what what's the distinction uh, as to why vaping would not be considered? That's because the Clean Indoor Air Act passed in 2010, and the FDA didn't recognize e-cigarettes as a tobacco product until 2015. 
Okay. So we're they're very so it's, yeah. it's really just the language of the law yes. doesn't recognize yeah. it, even though, in other words, a nicotine delivery system uh, is is not a cigarette and vice versa. Is that really definitional? Right. What it right. Comes so down the to? FDA rec recognizes e-cigarettes, electronic nicotine delivery systems, as a tobacco product. As a tobacco product. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's happening at the at the federal level. Although in in Kansas law, I don't believe it has updated that yet, and that's something that we have specifically talked about in our right. BAPE task force that the commissioner appointed. Um, the attorney general's office is on there, and he very much uh, called that out and said that's something we want to look at. So let me maybe ask one other question. Uh, raising the age that you can buy tobacco from 18 to 21, mm -hmm. but obviously a lot of under 18 kids yep. are are accessing this. Right. Uh, are, are, are there... Obviously, a higher age might help in that area. Right, that's the but thought. But I assume there continues to be issues. Kids and find other ways to get there. Right, get totally. Them, so. Totally. Yeah, just like alcohol, right? right. So the, if they want to find a way to get it, they, they certainly will try. But the biggest key component here is that 15-year-olds go to school with 18-year-olds. Mm -hmm. They don't go to school with 21-year-olds, right, right? right? So it just helps put that age gap yeah. into place. And then also speaking to the fact that... Um, 90% of lifelong smokers start smoking before the age of 18, okay? And then, um, like, 99% start smoking before the age of 25. So we're, it's kind of thinking that if we can prolong the amount of time that they can get their hands on one of these products, the possibility of them becoming a lifelong smoker goes down. Okay, well, this is a wealth of information. Is there anything else? I think we've exhausted your slides. Um, yeah, well, I could put in a plug. So the Resist Resist program, which is the program that I run, statewide youth-led tobacco prevention program, we're actually providing mini-grants to local Resist chapters or youth-serving organizations specifically housed in schools. So these mini-grants are competitive, um, up to $250 for youth groups to work on education, specifically educating staff, students, and parents and then um, taking a look at their school policy and making sure that it's comprehensive. So all of that information can be found on our website, which is resisttobaccokansas.com, um, and also on our Facebook page as well. Okay. Uh, one of the things I think was discussed at the last state board meeting about these groups was the question of, I, I, I'm trying to remember what one of the members said. Uh, do these need to be new separate groups right. or can yeah. you work with? His, so you want to talk about that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, his question was, um, so he's got a really active D.A.R.E. group that's at his, uh, one of his local high schools. And he's like, do they have to be a separate group from the D.A.R.E. group? No. If anything, we want you to just, you can be, it can be your local re resist D.A.R.E. group if you want okay. to. So all you need to be a resist chapter is to have one adult sponsor and two youth who are interested in this. Um, it, there's no real requirements to be a resist chapter besides that you live in Kansas <laughs> and then those right. other two things and um, just to work on local education and prevention so, and the, then so the point is if if our local districts are you know because there are many things people are dealing with right. like, how do we deal with drugs how do we deal right. with bullying how do we so if, if you've got a, a group that is interested in sort of promoting these health and safety exactly. issues you know that can become your resist group totally if, if it works as long as they're willing to add that to their portfolio yeah, I guess is what exactly it to. exactly okay. it's made to be super simple and and we're only there to help you okay well 
I think this has been fantastic. Awesome. Anything else uh, you can think of? Uh, I don't think so. I guess the one takeaway I would say that I want everyone to know, like after every single tobacco prevention presentation, specifically about vape, is that everyone understands that vape is a tobacco product, um, and that this is the tobacco industry behind behind this whole um, this whole epidemic. So the, fundamentally, what you're seeing, what the research behind is, regardless of how this might be presented if it's not as dangerous, it's right. not whatever, there are real dangers and yes. it is growing tremendously exactly. in popularity. And so we're, we're going to have uh, much more severe health consequences if we don't start taking stronger methods than we've done in the past. Exactly. Okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you, you through this, have seen many ways you can get information and resources from Jordan and her agency. Of course, the State Department of Education is a partner in this area, oh, yes. and anything we can do to help provide information uh, to you, we, we will as well. Continue to look at your KSB publications and communications. Uh, we'll keep sharing information. Jordan, if there's any anything else, if there's new information you want to come back and talk to us about, let us know. I'll do We'd it. love to have you. So thank Sounds you very great. much. Thank okay, you. thank you.